Welcome to the Second Stringers NBA podcast. We're here. The conference finals in the East and the West have gotten started. You're looking at the Celtics with the 2-0 lead versus the Cavs. Houston and Warriors tied at 1-1. Here on this podcast, we'll break it all down for you. Me and Sean here. I'm excited NBA fans to watch these games unfold. Sean, what's your reaction so far to what you've seen? Dude, where where are the rest of the Cavs? That's all I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Who took them? Where did they go? Yeah, they're held hostage somewhere or they left their better their better basketball spirits back in LA or and Utah. Um, everywhere, man. Where else did some of these guys <laughs> come from? Oh, Sacramento. Sacramento yeah, yeah. The basketball Ironic. <laughs> that's where their best Yeah, that's where their better basketball spirits are apparently, but to kick things off um kick this podcast off obviously we'll cover some of the the draft that just happened some of the lottery picks were set up the phoenix suns finally winning the number one pick the memphis grizzlies falling to the fourth pick but and then we'll dive into the playoff games but first we all know lebron james is basically the cleveland cavalier he carries that team and none other kid did you see that than in these playoffs and especially in these eastern conference finals so far but here's a trivia question So LeBron in these playoffs has a usage rate of 35.6% and an assist rate of 49.3. Basically half (laughs) half of everything. Cavalier offense. Yeah. Uh So which other player has had a usage rate and an assist rate just as high as LeBron James being a player that has advanced further than the first round? So basically which other player has had a workload the amount of uh, to the level of the amount that LeBron James has had in these playoffs? So there's only one player ever that's done this before or had this usage rate and assist rate. Yep, that has advanced further All than right. the first round. Okay, man. I don't know how recent I should go. I'm just going to say Russell Westbrook for the sake of how much usage he had last year with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, that's a that would have been a good guess, but you know what holds you back there is the fact that that team didn't get past the first round. That's true. Yeah, that was a terrible yeah. guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he did have a high usage rate, but actually the another player who has had that level of usage and assist rate but made it out of the first round is LeBron James, another version what? of LeBron James. <laughs> Back in 2015, <laughs> LeBron James had the exact, almost identical level of workload in the playoffs as this LeBron James. Crazy That's, enough or not surprising? Bro, you can't trick me like that. That's not fair. I thought this was a different player. You said which other player? <laughs> That's true. I shouldn't have worded it as which. Well, well LeBron James is different player i mean different different <laughs> eras different versions of himself uh, all right whatever <laughs> well you got me you can agree one. the dude's got a high yep he's got a high workload but let's dive into the draft quickly here uh the phoenix suns winning the number one pick here kings in second and the atlanta hawks in third um this was a tanking beyond anything we've ever seen and for some of these teams it's obviously worth it the phoenix suns can probably get something to try to improve their team um the kings Finally cracking into the top three, which this thing could be said for the Phoenix Suns. They've both been trying to yeah. get here for a couple amount, for a couple years, and the Hawks did it on first try. So kudos to them. Yeah, kudos to them, and I mean, kudos to the Suns. Really, I mean, this team <laughs> they won the Tankathon, and they actually get their prize, uh, getting into the draft yeah. lottery, and getting first. 
Um, I saw I saw some of the worst ESPN coverage of this during the draft <laughs> lottery. It was laughable, man. They had they had like seven guys reporting on this stuff, and they had one guy in studio <laughs> with like the whole like touchscreen setup just so they could go to him and he can be like, well, you can either pick DeAndre Aiden as center or Luka Doncic as point guard. And that's it. That's all I got. And it's like you gave this guy a full touchscreen just so he could drag those guys over. It was just the most ridiculous show I've ever seen. Like the way they drag these draft lottery shows out these days, man, like they'll do anything for some ratings. Yeah. To me, honestly, it seems ridiculous, but it didn't seem well, it's kind of, but it was felt just more dramatic and I felt so much more suspensed because as a Laker fan, when it actually mattered to the Laker franchise, I mean, the last three years, this draft lottery has been a nerve wracking event, but this year it didn't really matter at all for the Lakers. Um, so yeah. I didn't even tune in. <laughs> I was just keeping up with it on Twitter. I didn't really care to go through all the ESPN club. A buildup that they go through on the show. But, uh, hey, the Phoenix Suns, they could either get the, the local guy or they can draft the dude from Europe, which is pretty funny considering, like I've, and I've mentioned this before, he plays for Real Madrid in a pretty um, badass city, I would say, in Madrid in Spain. Mm, yeah. um, a storied franchise in sports across the board. And now he might end up playing in Phoenix, Arizona for a Suns team. That other than Devin, Devin Booker, um, and I guess an older Tyson Chandler, not much is going on on this roster. Yeah, I mean the older Tyson Chandler part. I mean that's why DeAndre Ayton's <laughs> looking like the number one pick for them. But a lot of people yeah. are speculating that they'll take Doncic with the number one pick because Kokoskov, the guy they hired as their new head coach, used to coach Luca um, mm-hmm. a few years ago. So I mean. It, it, either one's gonna be a good pick for the Suns, and I don't really think you can know which one of them's gonna be the bust, which one's gonna be the All Star, or maybe neither of them will be. I don't know, but I think the real loser right now is the Memphis Grizzlies. They yeah, drop all totally the way to number there. four, um, having the second best odds at getting the number one pick, and they did all that tanking. They fired David Fizdale, Coach Fizz, man, just ousted <laughs> him. Hired all the G League players they could just to get the best odds of getting this pick, and what do you know? They don't even land in the top three, so that's what you get for tanking. Yeah, word is that this is supposed to be a deep draft, so maybe they can put their their heads together and and get a diamond in the rough here with the number four pick. Um, I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tennant weren't number four picks, but they were number three. So yeah, that's true. It's not. There's no guarantee that Aiton and and Donvik are the Donkick. What's his name? I don't know. Donkick. I I'm not even <laughs> pronouncing it right. Donsich. Don. Donsich. Don, uh. Don <laughs> we yeah. call him Luca. Anyways, the point Luca? is, there's no. Yeah, we all know there's no there's no way that these are the only two uh, prize prize players that can come out of this draft. So maybe they can come out with something great. Oh, totally. I, I mean, know. look where Donovan Mitchell got picked last year, man. True. Yeah, best rookie to come out yeah. of that class. And, I mean, I, I, that gives me uh, hope as a Clippers fan with the 12 and 13 picks. That's the Donovan Mitchell range right there. So I'm hoping for something good there. Maybe maybe we'll end up trading the picks or something. I don't know. But Clippers at, with 12 and 13, I'm, I'm pretty excited <laughs> about that. 
That was pretty funny. There were some pretty funny memes going around when those picks were announced. Oh yeah, back oh, to you back. Yeah, uh, it was just um, uh, who was the guy that they had out there representing Jerry them? West? Jerry West. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> he just had this look on his face of just like disbelief, just like, "Are you serious?" But <laughs> I mean, your chances weren't that high. But I mean, you got two good picks. Um and and like you said, Donovan Mitch potential Donovan Mitchell range. Right. And so so with Philly getting the Lakers pick it landing at number ten, uh brings an end to the Steve Nash trade finally. Is that yeah, it for the Lakers? Have... Are they finally have they paid all of their debts uh through through the draft? Are they gonna finally have draft picks for the foreseeable future? Yep, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yep. Awesome. That's it. It's finally come to an end. Um, and it was looking almost pretty likely that not very likely, but at some point in this season, it looked very likely that this pick could have potentially gone back to Boston oh, yeah, had it fallen man. anywhere between the top three. Um, and that would have just been horrible. So <laughs> somehow the Lakers through stroke of luck have managed to not, not give up any pick higher than, num- than this number 10 pick as a result of that Steve Nash trade. So none of these picks actually went to, to Boston, which, potentially could have had they fallen in the right places so the lakers um with a little stroke of luck did not end up making their bitter rival better but they did help philadelphia get the number 10 pick this year which couldn't have come at a better time i mean they just got they just lost in the playoffs um they could use this pick to either i don't know if there is a guy out there they could trade for to make it potentially better but you can with the number 10 pick i mean hell you can get yourself another solid role player that could turn into a a great asset in the foreseeable future. Right. Yeah. I mean, playoff teams with lottery picks are very dangerous. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Sixers are up and coming. If you had another good, solid rookie, I mean, it only makes it better. Maybe it makes a better case for LeBron James to join them. Who knows? But yeah. with Boston not getting the pick, which they only would have gotten it if it fell in the two or three spot. Um, they now yeah. get the better pick between the Kings and the 76ers in 2019. I can tell you I have an idea of which one of those is going to be the worst pick. <laughs> um, yeah, so. probably pretty easy to bet money <laughs> here. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, unless, they're still looking good. Unless though. we see – I was going to say, unless we see this number two pick, our buddy he'll make a huge breakout this coming nope. season. <laughs> <laughs> Keep dreaming, man. Keep dreaming. Yeah. Um, but how about this? Dwayne Casey, man, uh, coach of the year nominee, fired from Toronto man I remember I saw this news break Friday morning I think it was and I texted you and Scott I was devastated man I was like they just fired Dwayne Casey this is insane Mm -hmm. how could you do that this this man just brought you to the number one seed in the east I mean you got swept by the Cavs sure but was this really the right thing to do do you think do you think this is warranted I don't this is what I think. I think it's unfair that he lost his job, but I can understand why they did it. It it just sucks because, yeah, they just had their one of the better seasons in franchise history. Probably their best season in franchise history is the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. But, I mean, there is there was pressure um, to make a change here. And the roster, like we broke down last last podcast, this roster is so difficult to move. Sergi Baca, Velasquez. Um, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, you're not going to make moves in this roster unless you're willing to give up one of your young pieces. 
Uh, a lot of these guys yeah. are locked up for a lot of money. They're untradeable. So I guess if you're going to make a change, unfortunately, like like we've seen in the past in the NBA, the coach is always the most expendable piece um, and replaceable piece, I guess. Yeah, the best scapegoat, I guess. And yeah, yeah it, that's true. <laughs> it reminded me the most of when Mark Jackson got fired as the Warriors coach. When Steph Curry right. was up and coming, they bring in Steve Kerr and they start winning championships. So I th- maybe they're going for some of that mojo. Um, that's really the only yeah. thing I can see. But Dwayne Casey is a good coach at the end of the day, I think. I mean, look, he, look what he did no, with this club. So. Yeah, I mean, DeMar DeRozan was an all-star starter. I don't think he would have been as good as he was under any uh, regular coach. You know, I think Dwayne Casey did a really good job uh, putting him in a system that would help him succeed and developing a lot of young players that played meaningful minutes for this team, for the team that got the best seed in the East. So I don't see him being mm-hmm. out of a job for very long, but – Really, the only uh, head coaching vacancies, I think, right now are for Detroit and Orlando. Um, so if he doesn't land in one of those two spots, and both of those are terrible spots to land, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that I don't, yeah, I don't know what he's going to do for, for the foreseeable future if he doesn't land one of those jobs. Maybe see if he could get an assistant coaching job on oh. an actual contender. Man, you go to assistant <laughs> Maybe one co- of the – It's such a – that's sort of demoralizing, man. You go from head coach and – such a good team and just to an assistant coach ah that's true i mean maybe you can assistant coach to the 76ers and conspire (laughs) um, to get that head coaching job (laughs) yeah seriously man (laughs) something like that i don't know it sucks it's not fair to to this man but it is what it is it's the nba it's a business and i mean there was public pressure i'm sure um the general manager was feeling it over there um, ownership was put it, pr- pulling pressure to try to figure something out, make a move to to continue to progress and continue to get better. And like I said, the roster was difficult. It's difficult to make moves with the roster they currently have. So it seemed Dwayne Casey was the easier the easier target. Yeah. Do you know it'd be pretty crazy actually? It would be if uh, Tyron Lue got fired uh, after they lose inevitably to either the Celtics or the Warriors, and then they hire Dwayne Casey. Yeah, that that would be I half of it would I don't even know how crazy that would be actually. I wouldn't be surprised if Tyron Lue gets fired after this right? playoff run. Oh yeah, there, yeah, he's looking like a complete fool in this series what we're going to talk about in a minute. Like he's just getting yeah. completely outcoached. There's no way the Cavs can think that they can win a championship under Tyron Lue. Yeah, they kind of just they kind of just got lucky. Twenty. I don't want to say they got lucky. They got a little I mean, lucky. I, d- I, a little I think lucky. Tyron. Yeah, I think Tyron Lue's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I think, but I and I do think there's a lot of like Dwayne Casey. I think is a great coach. Yeah. Um. So if they got him, it would be an upgrade for sure. Right. I don't know. Really, I don't think that would be the difference maker. And all of a sudden, the Cavaliers being a favorite to win the championship, but. Maybe it slightly improves the team's chances, but they're still in the same hole. Yeah, <laughs> I think the roster is the bigger problem. Yeah, it would definitely be better than what they have, but we'll have to see. I, I really just don't see how he wouldn't have a job before the next NBA season. A good one, not like a just coaching overseas or something. Yeah, I wouldn't take the Orlando Magic. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't even I try to go for out. it. I think Detroit, maybe. I don't know. They don't even have a draft pick. It's not like their roster's doing anything. 
Yeah, bad. there's a lot of personalities there to ha- try to handle Drummond, Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin. Yeah, it's it's no wonder these are the last two coaching vacancies available. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean the Milwaukee Bucks just got their their new head coach. Uh, do you know a little bit about this guy, Sean? Yeah, I Wikipedia'd him and uh, some <laughs> stuff like that. You know, doing doing the good old classic research. Um, yeah. So yeah, Mike Budenholzer, um, ex Hawks coach, was announced as the new head coach of the Bucks. Uh, fired after the Hawks' first time missing the playoffs since actually 2006 and 2007 season. Isn't that crazy? Hmm. Is that that's a real yeah. stat? I didn't even realize how long that is. That's like 10 years. Wow, I did. Yeah, that's true. Oh well, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, they've had that core running in Atlanta for a while. I mean. That core even included a former former um or a current Warrior Center. Zaza Pachulia was part of that core. Oh that god. Con- consecutively yeah. advanced uh, to the M- to the playoffs. We're gonna ignore what you just said. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they had that all Hal Horford led team for a while with uh Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague, that team in 2014-2015, where they had the number one seed in the yeah. East with the sixty and twenty two uh franchise leading record. Um, and then they got swept it by the Cavs in the conference finals. Um, but still an yeah. amazing run of, of playoff uh, appearances for Buttonholzer um, until this last year where it really wasn't his fault. This team was just built no. to tank from the beginning. Like it, they just had yeah. nothing going for them. And they, I guess, I mean, yeah, it's like another thing with, like with Dwayne Casey. It's like, he's a good coach, but he needs they just need to make a complete change, complete overhaul of what they're doing there in Atlanta. And uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are primed to benefit from this. I mean, they already have a quality lineup of guys led by Giannis, obviously, um, at the dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it breakfast? I think it was breakfast, actually. It's more casual. They had breakfast with mm-hmm. Buttonholzer, him, and some of the ownership. And Chris Middleton was actually in attendance, too. And they all met with him. Uh, just to get a feel for everything, and um, by the end of it, the the three the third three owners of the Bucks, which I keep forgetting, which is right. crazy. Um, they said they yeah. considered him a very good tactician. Um, he has great leadership and communication qualities, and understands what it takes to build a winning culture. Uh, was the statement from them. So um, they're they're pretty optimistic about it. Um, I I think I would be too. I mean, he has a ton of head coaching experience over the last few years, and. Um, he's gotta be better than Jason Kidd. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this he seems like a more safer choice. I mean that 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 streak that Atlanta had, that core team, while they were never able to go over the top and actually get to an NBA Finals, they were good. They were solid. They really good. Yeah, were always at the playoffs, uh, second rounder, and then they had that season where they won sixty games. Uh, still don't really understand how that collapse occurred when they played against the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. It seemed like things were set up for them to advance. That yeah. was a Cavs <laughs> team that had to beat up Kyrie Irving and and no Kevin Love. Uh, J.R. Smith James, was though. finding himself, but they had yeah <laughs> they had LeBron James and they had Matthew Delladova yeah. also carrying a lot of the workload. <laughs> Delladova carrying the load, man. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's a long ways now from this current cast team who are currently down 2-0 to the Boston Celtics, Oof. a Boston team that, I mean, some of us, some people were saying that 
they were they would ev- they might even just only win one game against this Cavalier team, especially the way they looked against Toronto. But now, I mean, now we're asking ourselves. Are the Cavaliers about to get swept by this Boston team? <laughs> it's a ridiculous question. I yeah, I don't think that's gonna be the case. But when the home team goes up 2-0, I mean, you really think like, oh, there's very little chance that the Cavs can win this. And it's true, they don't have a very good chance to win this right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I don't think it's that big of a shock that the Celtics held home court. I mean, they were undefeated at home in this whole playoffs and they've just continued mm-hmm. that streak, but I didn't expect it to be this convincing. They, yeah. which, especially in game one, they came out and just clobbered them from the start. I think it was 61 to yeah. 35 at halftime or something like that. I fell asleep at halftime. Yeah. I woke up <laughs> in like the middle of the fourth quarter and it is the same story. I didn't really miss anything. But it was that boring. Yeah. It was it, like that boring that the Celtics were just crushing them by that much. And then game two, they put up a little more of a fight thanks to LeBron, but it was more of the same in the mm-hmm. second half. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the start of that. I felt like the start of that game one, at least the first two minutes of it, seemed like it seemed like the Boston Celtics were nervous. Um, and they were definitely out there to get a feel for the game. Kevin Love made a couple good shots. Uh, LeBron James hit hit a jumper. But yeah, then the the <laughs> shots just stopped falling for the Cleveland Cavaliers, <laughs> and Boston Celtics for, for some turnovers. Jalen Brown got a dunk. All Horford got made made a couple baskets, and they got their confidence back. The same confidence they've had throughout this these playoffs, and they started playing defense. And the Cavaliers did not ever start playing defense <laughs> because they're still plagued with that same problem that they've had since the regular season. Is this team? is almost lazy on defense and they're getting out. They're getting beat up by the Celtic team that doesn't have any impress, any, any offensive weapon that jumps off the page, but just solid uh, ball movement and solid defense. And they're really making it hard for the Cavaliers to, to get any, any production out of Kevin love uh, out of anybody who's not named uh, Kevin love or LeBron James. <laughs> right. I mean, we're, we're going to take a look at some of these guys, man. This is just embarrassing. George Hill and J.R. Smith in game two, three points combined between them. J.R. had zero, zero of seven for (laughs) J.R. The whole team shot 10 for 17 from the free throw line. Uh, As you noted, is DeAndre Jordan's free throw percent this year, much improved from previous years. So (laughs) (laughs) just want to point that out real quick. I mean, Um, yeah, this, I mean, that stands out to me because it's, you look at, I mean, a lot of credit gets given to the Celtics defense, and certainly they do play tough defense, but a lot, some of it is also the Cavaliers just missing shots. Um, J.R. Smith going, like you mentioned, going 0 for 7, just can't buy a basket, and when they get to the free throw line, you go 10 for 17 in a playoff game to yeah. shoot the equivalent of DeAndre Jordan's free throw percentage as a team. That's inexcusable. That's that's terrible. You're, you're, you're going to lose a game. You're going to lose that game. No oh, matter yeah. what, I mean, th- this team, the role players are just nowhere to be found right now. Um, but let's t- take a look at this one. So the Cavs team as a team has averaged 110 points this season. In the last two games, they haven't even been able to score more than 94, 94 being what they scored in game two. And they didn't even crack 90 in game right. one. Yeah. Um, part of that was just because this team certainly just gave up in that fourth quarter. Um, 
they just Marcus Smart's making things tough for them, and this team just can't buy buckets. Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to look at this stat real quick. So I love checking out the how these Cavs trade line trade deadline acquisitions are performing. And let me tell you, it's not very good. So yeah. between all of them, between George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, Rodney Hood, their big their big acquisitions, thirty one total points combined across two games. <laughs> Nine of twenty five shooting for all of them combined in the in these two games against the Celtics. That is literally like no production from four guys who are supposed to be like good rotation players for you that were supposed to contribute are completely, they've vanished completely. I don't think Larry Nance is even like playing very much. I think Jordan Clarkson was a, did not play in game two. Yeah. I just, didn't play in game two. Yeah. I just, I don't know if, I don't know what the heck's going on, man. Like they're not using these. I mean, they're using George Hill. He starts, but like the rest of these guys, they just can't even find a place for them to play, and they're just totally in utter chaos right now. Yeah, and Rodney Hood, I mean, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, and Rodney Hood, these are good players. I mean, they can score the ball. Um, they do what they're asked, but they just can't find their mojo with this team. Really, in the whole playoff series, even in that Toronto, they had spots where they had get good games. But Tyron Liu almost was forcing the the fact of trying to get Ronnie Hood going and he was just not giving him anything and he he was even asked in the press conference after game 2 why he kept going to Ronnie Hood despite not giving <laughs> production and I mean Tyron Lewis, kudos to him he stood his ground he was like well because I felt like it and <laughs> he's standing up for his guy and I mean you kind of have no choice you got to go right. to somebody LeBron James cannot outscore the Boston Celtics all on his own and they're making life difficult for him they're playing him tough I mean at some points they're not even concerned with switching they got they go to Marcus Smart and Marcus Smart just guards LeBron James one on one yeah um, takes and, and makes it difficult for him but how about this in in game 2 both teams made the made 10 threes so the Cavaliers rely a lot on the three ball um so they made mm -hmm. 10 but they still ended up just getting blown out by this Boston Celtic <laughs> team because most of their most of their points were just coming at the basket because the Cleveland mm -hmm. Cavaliers just had a hard time rotating over and just stopping ball movement. Yeah, I mean, they just yeah, like you said before, they just look super lazy out there, and there's mm -hmm. only so much LeBron can do. I think he scored 21 points in the first quarter of Game Two. Yeah, and it's like. That's what kept them in it, but for to expect him to keep that pace up for the entire game is just asking so much of even the best player in the NBA. He finished with a 42-point yeah. triple-double, and you still just get clobbered by the end of the game. It's just it's ridiculous to see, and I don't know if it's, if it's a motivation thing for these guys. I don't know if they're just scared because a lot of them haven't been at this level before. Like I know Clarkson and Nance sure haven't. Uh, Rodney Hood, yeah. he was with the Jazz last year, but I mean, it's not like they were expecting to do anything like make the finals. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the moment's just too big for these guys right now. They need to collect themselves over these next few days and figure it out. I'm. I don't know if I can. If you can say that's the problem, because this has been a problem for this team all year. Um, I think maybe part of it could be the the lack of chemistry within them. Uh, since a lot of these guys, 
the most minutes they've played together, considering some of these lineups, is in these playoffs. They've played more together in these playoffs than they even did in the regular season. When you look at just because of the fact that Kevin Love missed so much time, George Hill missed some time, Rodney Hood missed some time. So there's some chemistry yeah. issues there, but a lot of it just seems to be communication or and just a little bit or just the lack of effort as well. I don't know. I mean, Boston, Boston's running good offensive plays. Yeah, but none of these guys are – they're good players. Yeah, no doubt about it. But, I mean, none of – there's no Kevin Durant or Steph Curry out there. There's no um, offensive weapon that you just cannot do much against. I mean, just rotate over and put a little bit more effort, I think, and this team could hold this Boston Celtic team and give themselves a better chance to win some game, win a game at least. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. And these Celtics, man, like they have some really good players. They're going to become all-stars one day. But the talent gap between a guy like Jason Tatum and Rodney Hood at this point in their careers is not incredible, like so incredibly high that Rodney Hood shouldn't be able to like stay with Jason Tatum. You know, like mm-hmm. they're just they're just outplaying them at every level. And you have to throw a lot of that to Brad Stevens. But I think the Celtics deserve a lot of credit here too, because while we remember that the Cavs swept the Raptors and we're like, wow, they looked so good. Mm-hmm. Why, like, why are they sucking so much? Well, the Celtics went four one against the 76ers team that everyone thought was going to make the finals this year at one point in these playoffs mm-hmm. and four one, they mm-hmm. completely destroyed them. Some of those games were close, but a four one victory is a four one victory. And, these guys are just as hot, if not hotter, than the Cavs were coming into this series. And I mean, they like talking about how the Cavs don't have a lot of chemistry playing with their guys. I mean, a lot of these Celtics guys are brand new too. I mean, Marcus Morris was a new acquisition this year. Jason Tatum's rookie, Terry mm-hmm. Rozier, only got significant minutes this season too. And mm-hmm. they're yeah, and they're all just like these new guys that just figured out how to play together this year, and they're playing better team ball. And I'm just going to keep saying it. It's because of Brad Stevens, you know. He's, he really got them all to yeah. play together. He knows how to use all of his guys well, the right lineups to use. And Tyron Lou is just looking like a damn fool. Yeah. Um, yeah, kudos to Brad Stevens for sure. Another part of it, I think, is boss, I think youth and athleticism does have a key here. I mean, in game two, uh, the third quarter was just completely lost. The Celtics outscored the Cavaliers 36 to 22. Then in the fourth quarter, 23 to 17. A lot of that, and I think defense also plays into this. Like Boston just goes so much deeper um, than the Cleveland Cavalier rotation right now. Even despite yeah. Tyron, well, I mean, you can't fault Tyron Lue too much because he he's giving Rodney Hood minutes. He's trying to get Larry Nance in there, and these guys just can't produce offensively. That he has to pull them out, and as a result, he puts older tired legs out there and the Boston Celtics run this Cavalier team out of the gym um, really exploding on them in the third third and fourth quarter yeah where I think where you can give Tyron Lue fault is you can't just as an NBA head coach you can't just say I'm gonna throw these guys in there and like hope it Mm -hmm. works like you actually have to have a plan for like how you're gonna use them you can't just say I'm gonna give you more minutes and I feel like that's what he's doing honestly and maybe I'm not giving Tyron Lue enough credit maybe he did have a plan for like how he wanted to use Rodney Hood but my instinct Mm -hmm. tells me that he didn't yeah I mean it's 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 tough I'm gonna defend Tyron Lue a little bit here it's tough considering the sort of the way the season presented itself to him Uh, just getting these trade acquisitions so late and 
trying to accumulate everything and then Tristan Thompson with his tabloid issues and <laughs> I wonder if if we're going to see a lot more of him heading into game 3 and 4 and use that as their cuz I mean at the end of the day the Cavaliers should be a bigger team than the than the Boston Celtics. I mean Tristan Thompson should be your advantage point there but we've seen very little of him uh, a lot of it because of his inability to keep stay in front of guys off the switch but you mm. might have to go to him to try to get something going for this Cavalier team and heading into game three um, and potentially game four if if it works out somewhat well. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, how much of a chance are you still giving the Cavs in this series being down 2-0? You still have a little so faith in LeBron? Here's the interesting thing about this. So, in the playoffs, a team that goes up 2 two nothing, the home team, they win 93.7% of the time that's a lot so <laughs> yep and when you look at it so 19 out of the 300 teams that have faced this um only not so the 300 teams that have been faced this situation only 19 of them have come back to win a series after being down 2-0 um to the home team wow. um and guess who's done it twice out of those 19 times lebron, LeBron james. james yep <laughs> once in 2007 against the detroit pistons they went up 2-0 against his cleveland cavaliers in the yep in the nba playoffs. or so i believe it was the second round or was that in the in the nba finals mm. or the eastern conference finals yeah, i really couldn't tell you that was a long time ago <laughs> anyways back in 2007 detroit put up a 2-0 lead against the cleveland cavaliers lebron james and his cleveland cavaliers would him to Judas Agalskis, uh, oh, Damon oh, Jones, wow. and, uh, Delonte <laughs> West came back and took out the, that Detroit Piston team. Names and obviously in 2016, that infamous comeback with Kyrie yep. Irving, Kevin Love, and LeBron. So he's done it twice out of the 19 teams that have done it. So there's a better chance. There's a good chance, I think, that. Yeah. You give him more than a 6.3% chance as the odds yes. would have you. Yeah. Yeah, what, what percent? I'm gonna say forty percent. Forty. Forty. Ooh, that's really high. Wow. That's so you, high. So you think you think they're gonna win in six or seven? If they do win, that's tough. If they win in six, they gotta win four in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I think they win it in seven. I think they Dang. can. I have faith. I gotta have faith. I just don't think LeBron James can accept the fact that he's gonna take an early. Um, an extended summer this year. I don't. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard, LeBron man. can think that. LeBron can think that all he wants, and he can play as hard as he wants. But that doesn't speak for the rest of these Cavaliers, man. They, this team is just sad. I mean, not that that 2007 team wasn't sad. Like that was a pretty bad team too. <laughs> but, oh man, it's just something about this team that like, they just seem so on and off. Like. Mm -hmm. This like in uh, the first round of playoffs, they were off and they barely scratched that one off because LeBron was ridiculous. And then yeah. in the second series, they actually came to play. And now you're seeing again, they're not here to play. And, and, and you brought up a lot of statistics there for LeBron's sake. But the real statistic I'm looking at is the Celtics are 37 and 0 when they're up 2-0 in a playoff series. Yeah. So that I'm going to give these Cavs. You know, I, because of LeBron, I'll give them a 15% chance to come back. <laughs> That's generous, I think. <laughs> it's higher than the six point. What yeah, is it? Six, six point, point three. Six, 
36.3%. It's higher, okay. yeah, because it's LeBron. But, I mean, man, these Celtics, they look so good. They look they look so ready to, like, take on the challenge. And they have home court advantage. And I, I do think – I don't think the Cavs are going to get swept by any means. Don't get me wrong. I think that this series is going to go seven games, though. I don't think the Celtics are going to be able to take a game against the Cavaliers. At, on their home court, I think it's just gonna be uh, the same thing that happened with the Bucks in the first round. Yeah, I think so. We'll see it. Uh, we'll see. Um, I just gotta believe. I think the Cavaliers just have a. I still think the Cal. I mean, it's hard to say this, but I still think the Cavaliers are the more talented team in this than this Boston Celtics team. I feel like every a lot of people have flipped the script on that. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are good players, but. I still think Ronnie Hood is so much more ahead in his NBA career. George Hill's a solid player. Kevin Love, LeBron. There's there's good pieces there. I think they just need to f- they can figure they just need to figure it out. They need to just uh, <laughs> they just need to I figure it out. Do it. <laughs> yeah, but let's move on there to the Western Conference. This is really the more exciting series. I yeah. mean, let's not kid ourselves. This is <laughs> yeah, essentially the NBA Finals. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, so we got up. the Warriors. The Warriors tied right now. The Rockets came back uh, last n- or two nights ago for an exciting, uh, an exciting game and tying tying up the series one one. Was it an uh, exciting game though? See, that's the thing. It's like to me when I watch a playoff series against the Warriors, even though a team is up by 15, 16, 20. I mean, at one point <laughs> I think they were up by 25. Yep. <laughs> it never seems like the lead is that large. It seems like it's only a matter of time before the Warriors make a run and bring it back down mm-hmm. to single digits. And frankly, they did make pretty, um, pretty amazing runs. And a lot of that is contributed to this guy right here, Kevin Durant, who I call a cheat code. He is such <laughs> a cheat code. I mean, this guy, um, he can score the ball. He can drive. He can shoot the mid range. He can shoot the three, and he's essentially a seven footer. And when he jumps, nobody can get to that ball. You can't guard um, he's got, him. Yeah. No, and he's been the consistent piece to this team. Uh, thirty-seven points in game one and thirty-eight points in game two, going thirteen for twenty-two. Um, the Rockets have opted for single coverage against him, and he's he's burned them every time. But luckily for them, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were really nowhere to be found in this second game. Yeah, I mean, nowhere to be found in that first game really either. They just had more contribution from Clay Thompson in that game one to really seal that one. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is what you're going to see with this series, and it it's really frustrating because it's not like the Rockets are going to do anything different to adapt to what the Warriors are doing. They're just going to keep mm-hmm. sticking to their offense, and yeah. if it works, it works, and if they miss all their shots, oh well too, but... I mean, you saw the results of it in the regular season. This is what they do, and most of the time they're going to be on because their shooters are so good. Um, Huge contributions from P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, Trevor Reza in Game 2 to tie this series. Um, They just shot ridiculous, though. Like This was a ridiculous game for them. P.J. Tucker, I think, Mm -hmm. almost scored a career high in this game with 22 points, shooting 8 for 9 from the field. Uh, you had Eric Gordon uh, tying James Harden for the, the most points on the Rockets with 27, and then Trevor Reza contributing 19. Um, these are your three through five options on the team, and if they're going to do that, like that, that is just insane. And they're not going to do this consistently. They might do it again in this series, but this is just how this team's going to be, man. They're going to put them up, and if they go in, they go in. It's pretty frustrating yeah. of an offense and really a game plan, but... 
that's just how they're going to beat the Warriors is if they can just make their shots. Yeah, and I mean, they're they're also forcing the Warriors to switch a lot on defense. Essentially, that's the heart of it is you just force all these switches, uh, take advantage of the mismatch, and if they double, then you, you dish it out to the open three-pointer. And I mean, P.J. Tucker, he was the story of this game, and it essentially took almost one of his best games of all time to yeah. beat this Warrior team. So take that as a good sign or maybe a bad sign. But essentially, this guy shot lights out with all six of his three-point attempts coming from the corner. All three of his of his twos just came from cuts to the hoop. And that was also the difference maker from game one and game two is there was a lack of movement from the role players on the play. I mean, yeah. it was just essentially James Harden and Chris Paul ISO with very little movement. But this game, too, we saw players moving more. Um, cutting to the basket or running around to the to the corner or switching sides and, and and it made it gave it a little bit more of a flow and threw the Warriors out for a little bit of a funk I think part of that just had to do with the Rockets kind of had an easy have had an easy path to this point right now mm -hmm. um, when you look at they played against the Timberwolves the Timberwolves maybe not as good as we all thought they'd be not, part of yeah, it maybe, they weren't that good no yeah I mean part of it probably Jimmy Butler just wasn't in the top basketball shape anymore. They're a little bit out of rhythm. Then they play Utah. Uh, I mean, Utah somehow stole that second game, but Utah was not even close to f the full strength that they were when they played against OKC. Ricky Rubio with, being out. Yep. Yeah, Ricky but Rubio being out. Even Derek so, Favors. like the talent discrepancy between the teams were so high. Yeah. So I think that first game, it took them a little bit of while to, to actually realize that, hey, it's going to take um, a little close to 100% and a little bit more to to steal to beat this Warriors team. Yeah, and yeah, you brought up a great point. And yeah, in game 1, just all that iso ball, the ball was stagnant the whole time. They got blown out. Mm -hmm. And in game 2, you saw the opposite yeah. of that and I hope hopefully they can just stick to that game plan the whole time and they don't feel like James Harden just has to save them on every offensive possession. Um they, they just got to keep trusting yeah. their teammates, trusting in their three-point shooting and like, this series is up for grabs still. I mean, I was of the impression that if the Rockets didn't go up 2-0, they still wouldn't beat the Warriors. So I think I'm still in that court because, man, if okay. you can't go up 2-0 against the Warriors, like, I just feel like if you're going to try to fight an even fight against them, it's it's not going to work out. But I'm, I'm glad that it's at least not going to be a sweep. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was – Kind of like you in the same boat. I won't, I had Rockets winning this, but I also had that. I also kept in mind that they had home court advantage. I don't think they're going to win in Oracle. So I figured if they go up 2-0, all they got to do is just protect home court and they could walk away with a series win. But they lost that mm -hmm. game one and that was a tough loss. I mean, they, they, they came out with energy. They had the lead and then they kind of just let that go away in the third quarter and sort of just gave up in the or at least from James Harden's body language was not good in the final minutes of that fourth quarter. But Chris Paul kept fighting, and and to me, I think Chris Paul is such a bulldog. I mean, his yeah. stats aren't showing it, but I think he he's having a profound effect on this on this team. And none, it didn't seem more clear to me than in Game Two. I mean, he he at one point elbowed Kevin Durant in in the butt because he was <laughs> just like he was just aggressive and he was. Tossing, tossing his arms and showing his passion out there. It was great. I mean, he finished with 16.6 assists, a pretty average stat line for him. But I think his his, uh, 
his leadership on this on the court definitely speaks a lot more when you watch the game I mean, he's a bulldog. He's a bulldog out there. And interesting enough, James Harden had 41 in the first game, and they lost that one. And he had 27 in the second game, and they came out on top. So there's a lot more here to tell than just James Harden scoring. And it's, it's, it's the rest of the team. If they can continue getting these contributions from their guys, they might just yeah. end up walking away with a win in Oracle. And I think that's what they have nah. to think about first. <laughs> Because at this point, if you can't win on the road, you're not going to win this series. Oh, yeah. No, you have to win on the road now. It's mandatory having mm-hmm. lost game one. And, yeah, that's a great point, man. Chris Paul, yeah, I love him and I hate him. But, yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, he is one of the best motivators, one of the best captains you can have for your team because he's just all passion, all energy, super smart player. And it's mm-hmm. like that piece that they were missing last year when it was just James Harden really leading the team. They they mm-hmm. needed another like general out there to a veteran that I mean Harden's got a lot of experience, but Chris Paul's been around for a, a, quite a bit longer. Um, he's he's he knows the game in and out, and he's such a great piece for this team. Like if they are gonna win, it's gonna be because of him. And yeah, it's a, a lot of this too is is locking down Steph Curry on defense. Mm-hmm. Steph has been nowhere to be seen in this series so far, yeah. being held under 20 points in both games. That's so uncharacteristic of him. He shot one for eight from three pointer in game two. What what's what do you think's up with him? Do you think do you think he's not fully healthy, or do you think that the Rockets are actually game planning for him well enough to the point where they're just kind of taking him out of the equation a little bit? Um, from what I see, it's it seems apparent that. The Rockets are opting for single coverage on Durant and, and staying home to their shooters. They don't want their I think it seems to me like they would rather lose with Durant going for 40 than lose with by Durant going for 40 and Curry <laughs> and Klay Thompson just lighting them up from three. And they're staying home on yeah. the shooters. Meanwhile, Durant is making amazing shots on one-on-one coverage. Um, but also part of that, I think, is they're forcing Curry, unlike any other team I've seen, before they're forcing him to play defense and this is something that the Cavaliers were going with every time they played this warrior team but I haven't, I haven't seen anybody do it as well as this Rockets team mm-hmm. um if it's not James Harden playing one-on-one against Curry it's it's Chris Paul and I think Chris Paul's bigger body is taking a toll James Harden's bigger body is just taking a toll on Curry's energy and it's working mm-hmm. towards the towards the latter latter parts of the game when the Warriors are looking for him to make a shot um, it's just not there. Yeah, I I did notice that a lot too. That they were trying to switch James Harden onto Steph Curry a lot. Like mm-hmm. James Harden would just dribble over to where Steph is just to like yeah. get that matchup. It it's such a smart strategy. I mean, you you talk about trying to exploit a guy that was uh the NBA MVP. It's mm-hmm. like oh, how do you even do that? But like Steph Curry does have a ton of weaknesses, and one of them is his wiry frame. And yeah. yeah, they're just they're gonna push him around. They're gonna make this physical for him, and I don't think Steph responds very well to that stuff normally, um, unless he can just start getting back to old Steph making thirty-five foot threes where he doesn't have to get touched by anybody. I think they're holding yeah. him in check pretty well, and it's really smart. I mean, you you think about it, and you're like, okay, on the Warriors, like they have Kevin Durant, he's impossible to guard, so why should we try? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll let him do his thing, but Steph, on the other hand. Really hard to guard, sure. Like, he's really quick, really agile, great ball handler, great passer. But we have guys that can stay with him. We have one of the premier point guards in the league. We have James Harden. 
we have guys that can switch mm-hmm. onto him. So they see this matchup as something that they can really take advantage of and just let Kevin Durant do his thing. And yeah. just hopefully you can keep the rest in check. It's kind of like the Celtics strategy against the Cavs a little bit. You can let LeBron get his triple double, but as long as no one else scores, then that's the game for you. Honestly, that's how they're going to win the series. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how Steve Kerr adjusts to this um, to try to get maybe get Curry some better shots at the start of the game to get him get him some rhythm going or figure out some way to protect Steph Curry on defense. Um, I don't really know what the answer to that would be. Um, I know you've, they threw out Kevin Looney out there to try to make that switch on Curry, and it worked a couple times, but he did get, get beat. I mean, he did have one pretty, pretty ridiculous-looking block on Harden, I think in game one or maybe game two. Or maybe it was on Chris Paul, but... They're one gonna block isn't going to change out. the whole series unless no, unless it, it was LeBron in game not. six against Iguodala. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, but I'm um, still nonetheless Kevin Looney. I mean, he got that. That was a pretty good looking block. And this is for a guy who the Rockets were definitely trying to exploit there um, mm-hmm. throughout that game. But uh, is the series over, though? Um, I don't know, man. This they're one one. I still I'm still hanging on that. I think the Rockets can still win one game in Oracle and t- and then they'll take it from there. And if they protect home court, they can walk away with this series win. The, though the odds are against them as the Warriors have not lost in Oracle since they signed Kevin Durant. Ooh. Basically 15-0 <laughs> in the playoffs right oh, now. Oh, man. Yeah. In their hometown are of you Oakland. Sure? You can take that back if you want after reading that I'm stat. Not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not taking – this is – to be fair, this is the best team um, – that this warrior team with Kevin Durant has faced in the playoffs. I think this team is even better than the Cavaliers team of last year. Um, hmm. So, and they're definitely more motivated. It's pretty clear that the, everything they run from offense to defense is all been constructed for this warrior team. So I it think, I think this, this is the team that could do it. Huh? You can, you can construct a team for the warriors, but like, at the end of the day, you're just going to fall short, man. Like, you can't match them, like, pound for pound, like, talent for talent. And it's like, you mm-hmm. have Harden and Paul, but after that, it just drops off pretty significantly. I just, I yeah. think the series is over still. I think game one sealed it, honestly. Like, I'm sticking to, I thought, I think the Rockets had to go up 2-0 in this series to have a chance at winning it. And with them having lost home court already, the astronomical odds against them playing in Oracle Arena, <laughs> I just I just cannot see it happen. I still think the Warriors, I think the Warriors are going to win in six games. You think they win both games in, in oh, Oracle? Oh yeah, they're going to go up three one. Rockets will win their home game, and then the Warriors will close it out. I just I just can't see it happening any other way. It could very well be that they win two games, but we'll see. I mean, if they got any chance, they have to win one of these two. If they go up, they go down 3-1, yeah, it's essentially over. I mean, I don't need to say that. <laughs> the odds <laughs> yeah. are they're, they're done. I mean, but I'm, I mean, I'm saying it's essentially over now, which is, I mean, I think a lot of people are still holding out hope that the Rockets can hold, like get this series, but they had to win both games. Like, if you're going to beat the Warriors, you have to be up on them early in the series or else they're just they're going to figure you out and they're just they're going to take you down like this team is too ridiculous to like make yeah. it an even fight you can't go 1-1 on them 
Yeah, I mean, I'll admit I'm, I'm definitely in the minority group right now, believing this Rockets team can still pull it off. It's going to be close, but if they're going to do it, the key is going to continue to be the contributions from the role players. And I think James Harden still got to continue pressuring that Warriors defense. Get Kevin Durant in foul trouble. Get Draymond Green in foul trouble. And yeah, the Warriors are talented, but they're not a very deep team in the front court. So if you can get these guys in foul trouble, um, make it that much easier for you to get some rhythm. So LeBron, uh, James Harden, you need to do your thing, man. <laughs> Be the guy who led the NBA in free throw attempts. Get these guys to foul you um, and make life hard for the Warriors defense. Make it complex. Yeah, uh, yeah I will say, yeah, that's how you do it. You, Harden has to be the the best slash worst version of himself <laughs> the floppiest yeah. the whiniest the whiniest version of himself possible is what's going to win this series for them because that's what i thought was going to happen early in this series and in the first minute of game one i remember he got mm -hmm. draymond a technical foul right yeah the, nope yeah, you're right in the very first minute and so we have yet to yeah yeah, I think that if they can, if he can just keep frustrating them to the point where they get technical fouls and ejected, I think that's a viable strategy, honestly, for this team. Like between him and Paul, oh man, they could just frustrate the hell out of him if they wanted to. Yeah, and you're right. I thought he was gonna go with that for sure in game one. That technical on Draymond Green. I thought that game was not gonna end unless Draymond. That game was not going to end with Draymond Green not getting a second technical so foul, but, yeah. but it did. And I mean, I, th I feel like that six minutes of that game one was sort of not a sample size or a representation of how the rest of that game ended up mm -hmm. going. The, the Warriors definitely flipped the script there and took that energy in that third quarter. But James Harden has got to come out that same way, just attack this defense and force him to foul. I mean, he got Kevin Durant to five fouls in this game too. And, that played a part when he got that fifth foul and him relaxing on defense. So get keep 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 going on with that pressure and that'll help you steal a game for sure. Mm -hmm. I I really hope that they can do it. I hope your your hope is enough to keep them afloat. <laughs> yeah, I, I really want we'll the Rockets see. to pull this out. <laughs> Anyways, um, final thoughts to close this game. How about we talk about a guy who went fishing and relaxing at home or rehab well, a like long back time in ago, February. <laughs> Back in February, and that's uh, Mr. DeMarcus Cousins, um, who recently just unfollowed the Pelicans on Instagram, immediately started following Paul George and Julius Randle. And why is this a big deal? Because this guy is a free agent this summer. So is mm -hmm. this a coincidence, or is he just stirring the pot here? Yeah, or is he going to be a Laker next year? Oh, man. And Paul George, too. What a conspiracy. Probably yeah. just hot air, but... I just thought it was a really fun thing. And, like, why would he unfollow the Pelicans' Instagram, though? Like, what is the point? Is he is he cleaning out his followers list? He have too many of them? And he accidentally pressed unfollow? I don't I don't really know what the story is here. But it's very weird that the, this sequence of events would occur. I don't know. I don't even know if the Lakers want to mark his No, yeah, I was honest. just about to say, I don't think they do want him. But yeah. if, if it happened, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't be the first bad move the Lakers have made in free agency. I mean, yeah, regardless of free agency, uh, from 2010 onwards, outside of our draft picks, we have not made good moves. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and considering – I mean, we were just talking about that the Steve Nash 
trade just finally came to an end <laughs> now in 2018. Man. I mean, we're talking five years later. Um, we have really little to show for it at all, um, except luck that we got some of those number two picks mm-hmm. for those consecutive years. Um, but I don't know what this means. Nothing at all, and yeah. because I don't think the Lakers want DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, all I'm saying is Brooke Lopez is gone. He's a free agent, so they're in need of a center. Paul George has been wanting to go there the whole time. It could happen, man. And you know what? Yeah. I, I don't think it would be the worst thing ever, but I think they could do a little better than DeMarcus Cousins. And I don't even know if he's going to play next year with that Achilles injury. Who even knows? That would, that would be devastating that is if true. They, this is their big free agent signing and then he doesn't even play. I'll say, like, I'll take DeMarcus Cousins as a Laker depending on what that contract looks like. Yeah, if he's willing to Anything take, like— more than three years. Yeah, like three years. No. And, like, would you give him, like, the max, though, for those three years, though? Which is probably what he'd ask. I don't think so. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. hard. That's a hard ask. I, I wouldn't, dude. I would give him three years, $60 million. I give him the good old Danilo Gallinari deal. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I don't... I mean, if DeMarcus Cousins comes back in, like, February next year, him and Paul George, Brandon Ingram... I don't even know if they're a playoff team in the Western Conference with that lineup. With both Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins? If DeMarcus Cousins comes back in, like, February? Oh, no. If he doesn't play the whole season, they're not a playoff team. There's no way. Yeah, I I wouldn't bet my chances of, of him coming back in November. I mean, even February, I think, would be Yeah, I just have no really idea. Really hopeful thinking. It, do you know where he is in that rehab process? Is he, like still like that far out like eight months out of recovery i mean it typically takes a year to return oh wow. so, I'm a, so that's a rough estimate i'm thinking february or march and then we still got to think about playoff getting into actual basketball nba shape right yeah i mean they, they probably wouldn't make the playoffs at that point but we'll cross our fingers that this is all just hot air <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out week week in and week out as we break down the continual NBA playoffs heading into the NBA finals and then we'll talk NBA draft and NBA free agency. Then, dude, that'll be like a whole year for us at that point, man. <laughs> yeah, we're close to it. Awesome. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Yeah, have a good week everyone.